1 through 10 first, and then followed by 1 John 5, 11 through 13, and 19 through 21. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is our passage for consideration this morning, this afternoon. Hear the word of the Lord, and you, happy quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you all had, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, flip over to 1 John 5, 11 through 13. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And lastly, 19 through 21. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this portion of scripture. And may, Lord, it be used in the hand of the Spirit to satisfy our thirsty and hungry souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 2. We're back on track in a study, exposition of the book of Hebrews. Made alive by the triune God. It is just literally plastered all over this passage. How were we? According to verses 1 and 2, we were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach anything short of death. You know what death means? Not leaving, uh, uh, living 
It's not breathing, it's not eating, it's not drinking, it's like a corpse. That's how we once were. That is the old life. Verse 2. We walked according to the course of this world. The world was our pattern for faith and life. Not the word of God, not God. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Is that the internet? No. It's Satan. It's Satan. It's Satan who rules this world. It's Satan who has control of the airwaves. That's what I wonder sometimes is if it's not just people who are hackers, but but Satan himself, like yesterday, and I won't get into that, but I could not send anything having to do with the worship of our God across the airwaves. That spirit that now still works in the children of disobedience. For they, anyone who is outside of Christ, anyone who is not in the kingdom of God, who is that? Everyone else but those who are Christ and who are part of the body of Christ, such as yourselves and myself. And that's a lot of people. And that's where we were. That was our old life. But also, verse 3, our old heart, among whom also we all had our conversation, which is an, a Middle English word in the King James that speaks to our way of life. Our lifestyle, it was in times past in the lust of our flesh. Now, we still sin. We still lust. We still have sinful passions, but back then we were out of control. We had no way of stopping it. It was like a runaway car that had no more brakes heading for the precipice, the bridge that is out. Notice we were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So not only children of disobedience toward God, who could care less that God says, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth, or that is below the earth. Thou shalt not bow down or worship them. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. They could care less, and they will make every name of God a slur word. And they will want you to hear it too. And hopefully you don't stand here idly by pretending like you didn't hear it. Because you can't miss it. And here's the opportunity for you to stand for your God. That was our old heart, too, is the point that the apostle is making here. But also, we have an old record. Now, what I mean by that is this, our record before God, our standing before God, where we are in relationship to God. And according to what I just read in verses 1, and especially 2 and 3, we were children of disobedience. We were children 
6, Paul reiterates the same truth, filling in the blanks, as it were. Mortify, therefore, your members, that means your mind, your emotions, your will, that are upon the earth. Mortify, especially your bodies. Here, he speaks of several things that you need to put to death. Fornication, if you're involved in fornication, stop it. That's sexual immorality, uncleanness, impurity. Maybe you don't commit sex, but maybe your mind is impure with the things that are of this world. And it's not only sexual, but anything. Inordinate affections, sinful passions of any kind, anger, uncontrolled by the Spirit of God against somebody. You need to repent of that. You cannot hold a grudge against somebody. You need to make amends. You need to be a peacemaker, not a war maker. And if you are the, the latter, you need the grace of God. You need that the sun would not go upon your anger in your home against your loved ones, your nearest and your dearest. Evil concupiscence, evil desires. It's like the Apostle Paul can't find enough words to really get at this particular besetting sin. And so many of us, and the internet and the TV before it and still with us today are avenues or venues that these come at us. But let me emphasize that it's not just what is on the outside that comes in, Christ said, but what's on the inside that goes out. Because it is not what you take in, but it is what comes from your heart. Evil thoughts, fornication, adulteries, murders, thefts. Covetousness, greed, greed, wanting more of this, wanting the American dream as if that is the end all of life. That is the God of your life. But I pray it's not. I pray it's not. That it's so easy, especially when we are desirous of the things of this life to meet our necessities. But as someone said, not to fulfill your greed, but your need. And that's where you draw the line. Otherwise, it all falls into the category of idolatry. And then did I just read from another place? Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You've got to keep yourself from that. You've got to put a distance between yourself and that. Because you draw closer to that, and there's someone behind that that is doing this all along. And you will fall into this snare. There's no question at all about it. You'll stumble. I'll say you'll stumble. You will not fall if you're Christ. You will not stumble. But I tell you, sometimes stumbling is pretty hard. You can really get a big noggin like my grandson when we arrived in Yuma. With this big knot in his head. He had just fallen right before we arrived. You don't need that. You don't need that. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. That is pretty, pretty big. If God is going to be upset with you, oh my, you don't want him against you. If you think Satan is bad, bad enough, how much more God? He 
because we know that out of his love for you, he will chasten you. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's why he's wanting you to become like himself. He's wanting you to become like his son Jesus. Christ-like. A follower of the Lamb of God. What we have become and are becoming, we are not with that old life. We are not with that old heart. We are not with that old record. Are we? Are we? I trust we're not. I trust that as the Apostle Paul declares in verse 4, something happened. Notice how it starts. But God. We were like all of this, dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now still works in the children of disobedience. Our lifestyle was according to the lust of our flesh. We were desiring the things of the flesh and of the mind that were by nature. We don't want to go there anymore. And so, what have we become? Well, it all began not with me and my desiring, by deciding one day to change my life because I want to get my life squared away and I want to no longer be suffering as I've been suffering by that lifestyle that has led me down that road. I wasn't looking for the, the shepherd when I became saved. I was looking for anything but him. I was looking out for me and for mine. And that was until the good shepherd came seeking and saving the lost. And I was the subject, I was the target of his love. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with he hath loved us. Imagine how the apostle describes the love of God. It is a great love. It is an overwhelmingly glorious and wonderful and beautiful love wherewith he loved us. There are not, not enough adjectives that could explain his eternal, unchangeable, sacrificial, self-sacrificing love. In 1 John 4, it says there is no fear in love because perfect love casteth out fear. You have no more fear of sin and of what that will cost you. You have no more fear of all that that life style represents in terms of what it will do to you. You don't even fear death anymore. Certainly you're afraid to die in the sense of not wanting to die, but you know that because the Lord is the one was ordained every step in your life because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted in his way. You have a confidence you didn't have before that God being for you, nothing can be against you. You will not be your enemy. Satan no longer has authority in your life as he did before and the world can't touch you. No matter what it 
throws at you. This is what happens when God the Father becomes your Father and loves you as he does, especially in sending his Son to demonstrate that love and forgiving your sins. And we love him back because he first loved us. And this is the response of that new heart. And along with that new heart, a new life now. In verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. Notice, it is with Christ that we are made alive by the Holy Spirit. When he made us alive from the dead, it was as he made Jesus alive from the dead. By the same power that raised him, he raises us up into the newness of life that is called the Christian life. Romans 6, 4. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Isn't that an incredibly wonderful phrase? New life? There are churches that called themselves years ago New Life Churches. That's because our hope is built on Jesus Christ, who is the one that has given us life and that more abundantly. God's children are already as good as in heaven because our flesh has made its appearance already there ahead of us. And so it goes on to say, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father. And along with a new heart, a new life, that awaits us in glory to complete the process that is called sanctification in this life. In verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Imagine that God is so kind to us, especially when we have been anything but that way toward him. And that being evident in the way we are unkind even to one another. Yet when we are forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are given all things. We are given the kindness of God, the kindness of his grace, the riches of his grace that are exceeding abundantly in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eye has not seen, no ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. What awaits us is incredible. We might be here self-quarantined in this world, but you know what? We don't have to feel like we are hunkered down in some in some hospital or in our homes or in a bunker, in a war, though we may be, when we have this as our eternal possession. And the Holy Spirit is the earnest of that eternal possession that we have, which is at the right hand of the Father. And so the best is yet to come. Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it, will complete it 
unto the day of Jesus Christ. And along with this new life, a new heart, there will be a new record, and this will be the, the, the foundation for why the Lord is able to bring us to heaven finally. Because it goes on, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works of sin, as you boast. It makes it unequivocally clear that we are not saved by any other way than the work of Christ, the pristine and holy and beautiful and obedient work of the Savior, without anything added to it of our own, not of ourselves, nor of our works. Thus we boast, lest we desecrate that very work of Christ. So we give nothing at all of ourselves to the Lord except our, our heart, except our yielding to Him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is but our reasonable service. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, Paul says. There is no condemnation. God will not touch you with even a match or torch from hell. It will not come near you nor your dwelling place because of the work of Christ. And that is the only hope that we have. And this is what I tell those who are religionists, who are relying still upon what Christ did and what I did. They're called religionists. They're relying on a religion and not on the Redeemer and not on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if they were, they would just throw all those things away. They would just give it all to Throw it out. Throw it out that they might have and be Christ. That's what Paul said anyway. You see, the Bible doesn't pull any punches when it comes to salvation. It's Christ, all of Christ, or not at all. At the same time, it is not easy to be a Christian. And in that way, the Bible doesn't pull any punches because it says in the Bible, for example, For ye have not yet received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer together with him, that we may be also glorified together. The path to heaven will not be an easy road. It is not an easy road, as you've already found out if you've been in Christ for any length of time. But remember that you are not alone. Or am I in this walk, in this life, in this sojourn, in this pilgrimage, which it is all of the above. As we are finding out, as we are coming to realize, as the things of this life, in their own way, become strangely dim. And not just because of their fleeting condition and nature, but because of what they are in contrast with the glory that is yet to come. And we come to the last point, and that is, for what purpose is all of this? Why did God save us just so that we would have a ticket to heaven and that God would have people up there to uh, populate heaven and 
and, and to uh, give him company? No, he goes on in our passage in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 to explain what the purpose is. The goal is of salvation. It says, for we are his workmanship. The workmanship of God the Holy Spirit, yes. But the workmanship, finally, of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because it's the Father who has sent his Son. And it's the Father and the Son who have sent the Holy Spirit. And it's through his Son, Christ Jesus, that we are created unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that tell you? That it was in the plan of God all along. That that is what we would be about. That would be what would consume our whole lives. Doing good works for God. Not simply aching out of living and, and struggling uh, uh, with, uh, with life here on earth. Uh, alone. Without the living God. No. No. And that is why he has to be front and center. And that is why his word has to be ever before us. And we ever before him. Notice that we are his workmanship. We are like that vessel, that, that pot, that clay pot that he is shaping and forming and making into something beautiful. Not something to be destroyed in the end. Be smashed to smithereens. But be taken up and be used in order to adorn his glorious trophies of his grace as someone said in 2 Corinthians 5 17 it says if any man be in Christ Jesus he is a new creation old things are passed away behold all things are become new we are recreated in Christ's image recast remade we're the same person but we're a different person because we are fashioned after our glorious Savior. Our vile body will be likened unto his glorious body when he assumes our places there at the right hand of the Father. Let me turn finally to uh, Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through 8, where we have a, a corollary passage that is very supportive of just what we have heard from Ephesians 2. So turn there with me, if you please, to Titus. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes or one time foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures. Slaves of them is really what that means. Living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Imagine this. Isn't this the world around us? Isn't this the world that we live in? I trust it's not us. I trust this is not our homes. I trust this is not the church. Or other churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, use that word but, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior before or toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing the Holy Spirit, which he shed in us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, 
And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And so here we have it again. How we were at one time, verse 3. What we have become and are becoming as God works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Beginning with the work of the Father and is showing that kindness and love toward man, even toward us. And the work of the Holy Spirit who causes us to desist from our works of righteousness which we previously relied on to be made right in the sight of the Holy God. And to realize that it is by the power regenerating and renewing transforming power of the Holy Spirit in pointing us to Jesus Christ who shed in us abundantly his great grace and love and life and justified us thereby that we would be made heirs according to our eternal life. You see, this is why we are who we are. This is why we are where we are. And let's not forget that. Especially drawing you to the third point, and that is for what purpose? For what purpose that we get this clear in our minds, in our hearts, that God would be glorified by our maintaining good works? It's not enough to have done it in the past and to sit, as it were, upon your morals and what you've done before when you were a younger Christian, but now that you're old, somehow that is. Time to retire from the service of God. No, no way. We are only beginning. Because it goes on all the way to glory. Like the Heidelberg Catechism, 86, talks about. It says that he be glorified through us. Then also that we ourselves may be assured by our faith, by the fruits thereof, being the fruits of our because true faith manifests itself in fruits like fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Because such there is no law. The finger of God's law can never touch you. And not because you're now a good person, but because you have Christ. And through your relationship with him, and by his Holy Spirit indwelling you, you are walking in those good works. And he is glorified and receives that for Jesus' sake. We're not perfect in Christ. We are accepted for Jesus' sake. And then also, one more, one more thing. I'm going to throw in for good measure from that Heidelberg Catechism, question 86. And by our godly walk with also others. When was the last time you won someone to Christ? Not that we're counting, of course. But when did you have that joy of being used as a humble servant of the Lord to bring someone to the fear of Jesus? Call upon the name of the Lord. You ask him to save him or her because of her sins. And they will rejoice with the angels in heaven who rejoice over Every sinner that repents, more than over the 99 that need no repentance. There's no 
greatest purpose of all is the glory of God. What is the chief end of man, says the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism question. And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. God planned all along this. How are you in that department of glorifying God? And finally, are you enjoying Him forever? Even beginning Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Remember that. God's plan all along for all true believers is that all things indeed will work together for them who love God, but also for the call according to his purpose. Realize your purpose in Christ. Ask him for what you need in order to live for him and to enjoy him in your lives in a way Yet to enjoy him in your heart, in your life, and in your fellowship, in your family, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, help us to be what you desire for us, all of your people, to be. And for those, O oh Lord, who are not walking with you, that, Lord, we would be on our knees in tears for their souls. And for those, O oh Lord, that are... Uh, coming along, that we would do what we can to encourage them to walk with the Lord in the light of your word. And that, Lord, you would shed your glory upon their path, even as you do ours. As we ask all of these and more, in the name of the one who is our glorious Lord, and soon to return King, even Jesus Christ.